Hey, welcome back to PH Expanded. This is Mike McDonald, a rather happy person like you are too. Golly gosh, that was everything, wasn't it? That was uh, not just the three points, five points behind the leaders. Who would have thought that a month ago? But that was exciting. And if you've read my blog, that's what I wanted to focus on is uh, that was my main takeaway. You know, I actually expected to beat Spurs. I don't know why. I think I just don't rate them this season. Um, but I didn't expect it to be exciting and, you know, fairly comfortable uh, and full of tempo and energy um, and just front-footedness. Uh, I suppose we've seen that before against big teams in home games. Just feel like I don't really remember it. And it seems foreign, so... Anyway, the sliding doors moment is where I want to start. Sorry, I'm out of breath. I'm just been running around after the game, just being energetic myself. So um, just still not quite recouped, but that's fine. Right, you've been down the pub. So anyway, um, sliding doors. I'm thinking essentially that that whole game and the outcome of the game is the sliding doors moment of that game does that even make sense I don't know but you know the fact that we could have stayed mid-table looked like um, the season was slipping away from Arteta personally you know fans who were against him would have stayed against him if we would have not won that game um, hit our league position our hopes that was truly a six-pointer wasn't it and again the fact that we are is it four points off second and five off top? Is that right? Yeah, it is. It's unbelievable considering. And that's just, just another weekend like this one where a few teams above us drop points and we win away from being in amongst them. It's unbelievable. And, and how that whole thing could have been different and changed uh, and of course, because it's Tottenham, because it's at home and it's the most important game of the season for the Arsenal fan base, that could not have been more perfect. Um, so that entire game, I think, much like last season's Chelsea game at home, where we stopped the rot, brought in Smith Rowe, and everything changed. Not everything, but a lot of good things happened. This could be a catalyst. I hope it is. So... Moving on, my positive that I want to grab um, from yesterday's game and that I didn't talk about in the blog, I think I mentioned almost every player that played, uh, is the coach. I think that was a statement for Mikel Arteta. And it wasn't just beating Tottenham at home. It was the way it happened. It looked somewhat inevitable. Retrospectively looking back at the game at the time, we were all tense and you know excited and full of emotion but the way that happened, we just looked superior. We didn't look like a team that should even be battling with Tottenham for league position. And that he's created this momentum uh, and energy, again, I use that word, is to his credit. I'm not saying that um, I'm firmly in the Mikel Arteta camp. I'm... I'm uh, hoping it works out for him, and I I foresee good things with the team for sure. And he's now starting to show that he's capable of matching the team that he's got with n not just a solid defensive organisation, but some 
loosening of the reins offensively, a quicker tempo, and just allowing them to play with a little bit more freedom. And gosh, this word's important, directness. Turning, passing forwards, turning again, passing forwards. And um, I grabbed a, a quote that I took from the Hugo Lloris interview um, on the American NBC Sports Network that he was interviewed. And he said that they couldn't handle Arsenal today because they arrived too quickly in our box. Well, nobody would have said that. Even during the Burnley or Norwich game, which we were happy with that scoreline, but Arsenal haven't been arriving quickly in anyone's box. They have not. At best, they've been hitting earlier balls to Aubameyang against Norwich at home. But as a group and a team, the counter-attacking tempo was how it's supposed to be, how you're supposed to counter-attack. And I don't know if we credit Arteta for recognising and correcting that or wonder why the heck it took so long for him to do that. But either which way, it looks like that he is on a roll. Uh, this week, it looked like that he utilised his week-long training, uh, focused mostly, I would imagine, on this game rather than the Wimbledon uh, win. On tempo, there was a quicker tempo, so credit to him for increasing that. Blocking the passing lanes, which has honestly been one of our strengths in the past, but was done so well. Uh, and the fact that Deli Alley got subbed at half-time and was a disappointment to his coach, and again, another interview, but I'm not sure if you saw this elsewhere in the world, but uh, Nuno, their coach, talked about uh, certain players letting him down and having to change it at half-time. And Deli Alley was, he didn't mention him, but it was obvious by his half-time substitution that uh, he was one. And he couldn't get into the game because we were blocking those lanes, uh, those entry passes. Uh, also appreciated Arteta's in-game coaching, which normally I think somehow holds us back to later substitutions and sometimes the overcoaching. But there was obviously a communication after, I think it was the 33rd minute, was that our third goal? That he wasn't wanting us to go, um, to continue playing out of the back. He wanted us to go longer, uh, more direct, so as to not let Tottenham back in the game and give them that window of opportunity. They were struggling to create themselves and I guess he didn't want us to make uh, a silly mistake uh, at that point in time and take that risk. Almost to the point where, you know, give them the ball 70 yards from goal, we lose possession, not the end of the world because they can't create if we give them the ball. So I've been talking about that a little recently and uh, on my Le Grove Juega de Posicion uh, piece about how teams are doing that. At different um, periods in the game, they're intentionally going long with knowing its low percentage chance of retaining the ball, but knowing also that the opponent is struggling to create on the day. And if you give them the ball, it's not the end of the world. And you can transition from their um, possession. Um, I would also add that perhaps the most important thing that Arteta did today, gosh, this is a hard choice because he got a lot right, was his reactions. He's a pretty stoic, serious man. Uh, we like his communication, but the fact that he was a fan when we scored all three of those goals and he lost control of himself, 
I think is greatly appreciated. I've thought for a long time that it's a whole lot easier to win the fans over than the players and staff realise. You know, Ramsdale showed up and before he's played five games for Arsenal, the fans love him because he reacts with emotion when he makes a save, when a defender makes a block and when we score a goal and when we win. And you know what? Even if it was somewhat fake, as a coach, I would tell them, you need to do that. And as a coach, I would try to bring that into my own uh, body language during the game. Because, again, if a coach turns around and looks at the fan and try, fans and tries to energise them by raising his hands or fist pumps the air when we score or goes crazy and jumps into his assistant's arms, whatever it might be, the fans see that and they want their leader to have that emotion at the appropriate time. And I think he did himself quite a large favour by showing how much he cared today, rather than trying to bottle it up, hold it in. Okay, I uh, struggled to find the needs, the negatives in the game today, but I'm going to pick on this thought and a hope that I have that moving forward, that what we saw today in the use of Sambi and Ainsley on the bench instead of El Nenny continues and we don't go back to the safety of Elneny. Okay, that's my first thought. Secondly, I know that there's a lot of educated people on Twitter, friends of mine, friends of yours, who are showing great caution with Charlie Patino. Okay, I'm... If that's the way we go and he doesn't play this season, um, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I don't think I know better. It's not that. I just think that every once in a while, as we've seen with Bucky Osaka, uh, Smith Rowe, um, in the past with a 16-year-old Fabregas, there is a player that shows up that can produce for the first team, isn't overwhelmed, you don't ruin their career at the age of 16 and 17. Now, he's 17 years of age, and when I watch him play, I see a young man that makes football look easy. Not too easy, he's better than everybody else, even though when I watch the under-23s, he does look better than everybody else. But just his body language, the way he glides, the way his, his posture so vertical, he gets his head up so quickly... And I suppose the biggest piece of it from my coaching eye is how he deals with um, opponents' pressure. Because, you know, that can honestly uh, be the telltale sign. All professionals can do certain things, but there's certain things that they struggle to do when they're put under pressure. You know, that's the difference between a player that has that extra quality like a Martin Odegaard and a player who has a decent touch, but never creates and never dictates a game. Martin Odegaard isn't really affected by pressure. He just glides away from it, uses the outside of his foot, protects the ball, plays it off quickly, moves again, and just looks like it's somewhat of a day in the park. Just his style. And Patino has that when you watch him play. Just sort of glides away from pressure and looks um, unaffected by pressure. And that is a massive compliment. And again, I'm not saying that he's better than everybody else, but 
there is so much potential in any athlete playing any sport if they can ever get to the point where they are largely unaffected by pressure and what they do when they have time and what they do when they have no time aren't really that different. That's worth thinking about. And so what I would like to see instead of El Elneny, if, if Jacques is injured and he can't play and we have to bring another midfielder into the squad, I would far rather it be Patino, even if he doesn't play, just to get him adjusted to being in that environment, than Elneny. Elneny's days at Arsenal are limited. They may be another is it three or four months and he may go. Patino is the future. And again, even though he's young, I think that he might be um, the level that Fabregas was and able and capable of playing first-team football. So I'm not sure if he's the one that we need to wrap in cotton wool just because we've had to do it with others and we've had failures with others, bringing them in too early and other clubs do too. But again, the club will know that significantly better than all of our opinions because they know him personally, and that's really where this thing lies. None of us know Charlie Patino as a person, and whether he can handle first-team football will be mostly down to his personality. And without knowing him as a person and not having that opportunity, it's hard to make a definitive judgment. So for all those saying absolutely no way we should bleed him in gently... Or somebody like me saying, I think we should start bleeding him, him in now. Neither of us are 100% sure, if we're honest, because we don't know him. And we see a great footballer, but does he have the character to step up from the Arsenal under-23s to the Premier League team? And final th thought on this, and this doesn't just go for Charlie Patino, <clears throat> goes for anybody playing under-23s football and trying to step into the Premier League. People think that it's the next step. No, it's not. The next step from under-23s football is probably League One football, League Two. Um, and then the step from there might be something like the Scottish Premier League. Or go play in Holland. Maybe then the next step is the Championship. And maybe the next step is perhaps the French League. And then about six or seven steps later, it's the Premier League. So I'm not saying I'm contradicting myself here with Charlie Patino, maybe he can jump those six levels because the Premier League is not the next level from the under-23s. I think we all know that, but sometimes we forget that. It's not just a step up. That's not the phrase. It's not a step up. It's about six or seven levels higher. And some would say it's the highest level in football, in club football. Competitively, game in, game out. Hard to imagine that there's any league that produces the tough environment that even playing Norwich, you know, is compared to uh, playing in Spain, uh, Italy, Germany, for example. So that's worth a thought too. The hope that I wanted to pick out is after the game, you know, I'm watching the players celebrate, thoroughly enjoying it, and Pepe catches my eye, and he looked sombre, much like Leno and some of the other subs that weren't utilised, and I don't blame him, you know, part of me is happy that he wasn't pumped, that he didn't get to play, having played a lot recently. So just on a personal level, I just hope that he takes that in the right spirit. 
it's a tough competition between him, Saka and ESR. Who's going to play? And that will continue. There'll be gamers for him. And what he has over the others right now is a better goal-scoring record. And ultimately, that will prevail in certain situations. Uh, if I was him, I would be positive about the fact that if he starts on the bench, that he is perfectly capable of impacting the game in the last 30 minutes. And some would say that he's better coming off for the last 30 minutes as players tire and their legs get a little more wobbly with his jello hips. I think that that's actually quite a good use of Pepe. He wasn't used today, but the subs were made based on game state. And, you know, that's not always going to go in your favour. can't always be pre-planned. So I just hope that he takes it in the right spirit. That's where I'm at. Well, this has been more than 15 minutes, but, you know, it was a, it was a big game, exciting game. And I could go rambling on for hours. But you've got better things to do. Hey, thanks for reading the blog. Thanks for listening to me. Cheers.